All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 5-11 of the Sports Leader TSN 12-60. Ooh, a little interesting nugget to get to uh, right away for uh, NHL fans. Hmm. I'm very curious what this is going to have. We'll get to it uh, in a second. It's the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where you sit at home, and guess what? So you can experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device. PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up today as a new player, and you will get a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code SPORTS50. So check it out. You can always text us, 10-12-60. Boys, uh, Deadpool 3 with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Oh, wow. Those two buddies are working together. Nice. Now, I didn't know this. Hey, guys, coolest part about Deadpool is he's Canadian, both the comic character and Ryan Reynolds from Sean. That I did not know, Sean. Well, then it makes sense. Of course you would have had to have Ryan Reynolds or another Canadian. If the guy's Canadian, you need a Canadian player. It makes sense. Let's get to the Rashog Report brought to you by NextGen Transportation, Heavy Haul Transport Provider, 100% locally owned and operated. They're huge, huge fans. Those guys... Uh, at uh, Next Gen, the McEwens, uh, they love the, uh, you know, the the, the tight uh, upper body muscle shirts, and then the really uh, skinny legs. Once that's uh, that's what they, that's the superhero outfit that they like. NextGenTransportation.com. As we welcome in Ryan Rashog and uh, Shogger, a, a little nugget that um, the NHL and the NHLPA have reached a one summer trial agreement amending what is allowed during off-season training. Currently, clubs are not permitted to have club coaching or hockey operations personnel participate in uh, in any on-ice sessions with players. 
But um, basically now they can have a, a skills coach is allowed on the ice uh, at the player's uh, request. He's got to go through the NHLPA. This is according to uh, Friedman. And it really makes a lot of sense. If you hire a skills coach, but then you can't work with him in the off season when you want to work on skills. Like, this seems kind of like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Um, no, I don't think it does. Like, respectfully, I know what you're saying. Um, but, I mean, the PA has held firm on this for a while. It's interesting, you know, that they're going to give it a go here. Um, here's the other side of the coin. If you want to get a skills coach and you get your own personal skills coach, you know, then you determine the schedule. It's between you and him. He has no reporting back to the team. There's no connection there. The, you know, the amount you choose to work on or don't choose to work on, um, it all kind of stays between you and your personal skills coach. So the right. idea is the PA kind of protects the players through their summers from people directly reporting back to the team about all things that they might be up to and, you know, that sort of stuff, progress and all that kind of stuff, right? So I think there's, there's a layer of protection that's supposed to be there for players. Um, obviously, they want to give it a go, and I, I think it makes sense. But I understand how, you know, like let's say, you're a, let's say you're a young player and the team has a skills coach and they have an expectation level of you of how much of your summer should be dedicated to a skills coach who then reports well, back you're only to the allowed, team. Yeah, but like I said, you're only allowed the, – the player has to request it through the PA, right? Now, maybe the team – but I can tell you, lots of young players, Shogger, they don't have the money – they're not ready yet to commit the money – to a skills coach now, if you want a good skills coach in the NHL, you're talking 40, 50 grand in the summer. Yeah. That's what a lot of those guys are paying. So yeah. from some young guy who's maybe on a, you know, he comes in, he's played two one or deal. two years. He's on a two, well, even if he's on a one-way deal, but he's been in the American League up and down and he's only played 10 games in the NHL, yeah. he doesn't have that money sitting around. And so those guys, if they want to improve, will go to the, hey, guess what? I want to work with this guy. I think there's been, like, I don't see, Connor McDavid has his own skills coach. He's not calling and saying, hey, guys, I want to work with Dave Pelche. No offense, but he has his own skills guy that he works on with him. Right, but I guess what I'm saying is there will be tweeners there. There'll be guys who, you know, you spent the year in the NHL, so, you know, but maybe, you know, you had an okay season or whatever, and now the team is going to, you know, let's say you got a contract negotiation coming up this summer, and you got to kind of, okay, now I feel obligated to show the team that I want to take this serious, and I'm going to do this and that and use their skills guy and, I just think there's a very there's a reason why they've kept this separate in the past. And I'm all good with them giving it a go and maybe it'll work out great, but it doesn't seem like a no-brainer to me because I think there's some separation that the PA has tried to provide for its players and I get that. Yeah, I, I think a reason why they've never done it before, keep in mind Shogger, it's only been a few years that players even had skills coaches. Right. For the longest time, guys would go, they would just skate. Right. Like I talked to so many players about how different their off season is now than it was even yeah. two, three years ago. Yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, I, I, you know what, for if the player has to request it for the t- from the team, you know, that's good. The team can't impose it on them. Um, you know, will certain players feel obligated? Um, maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's okay. I'm not. I'm not here to muddy the waters or anything. I just I kind of understand why at times you just agents and the PA have sort of wanted to, you know, give the players their rest and teams have a tendency to, you know, probably want their guys to be doing lots and uh, the separation during the summer I think was something that, you know, they probably felt was necessary, but if they want to give this a go then great. Yeah. Um 
I, I see the uh, I, there's potential negatives, but that's where you know if you have a team that tries to to smudge it, that's where you hopefully have a player. And I would think today. You would have, like, your captain would reach out, hey, guys, if you feel any pressure, you let me know, I'll be the one who addresses it, right? And yeah. uh, away you go. Because no one's, you know, there's just a difference if Connor McDavid's sending someone to the NHLPA that says, no, 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 no. Well, that's what they have agents for, too, right? So, sure. hey, man, um, you know, skills coach wanted to bagscape me for 20 minutes today at the end of our session. Like, and, and he's employed by the team. And now you've got a 21-year-old player who's hoping to crack the lineup full-time next year saying to a coach, essentially, from the team, dude, I'm not, I'm not here to do conditioning with you today. You know, I'm, I'm taking care of my cardio with my personal training, all this, right? Like, it's yeah. just, Well, most skills coaches aren't worrying about, uh, to be honest. They're not, they don't do bag skating. I know, but that's what I'm saying, right? Like, let's say you've got a player who the team clearly feels needs to work on his conditioning in the offseason – but they're hands-off. All you can do is touch base with them. You can recommend it to them. You can all that, right? Well, now all of a sudden you got your guy there, and it's, you know, maybe and now you got a guy reporting back. Well, how does he look? You know, it's a restricted free agent. There's a negotiation, and you've been off since May. And, well, how does he look? How's his training going? You know, is he, how much time is he putting in? Does he look like he's taking it serious? Like there's, you know, and maybe a guy heading into a negotiation wouldn't wouldn't request any sort of help from the team or whatever. I just, I just, I don't think I understand why those rules are in place about coaches not being able to be part of what they do in the off season. Oh yeah, I understand it. Uh, I think the fact that. Uh, things change, and, and if people abide by the rules properly, I think there can be some benefits, especially for young players. Sure. Um, yeah, 100%. I see the, the benefit yeah. more for the young guys, guys who don't have a skills coach or maybe don't even know the right direction. Like I still argue there are some organizations that don't do a very good job of pointing their players in the right direction on how to have success, and then they rip them when they come to camp, and you know they necessarily didn't do the right things. Because to me, hey, if the player doesn't listen to the guidelines, that's one thing. If you don't give them the proper guidelines, to me that's on the organization. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a shared responsibility there, right? I think the organization needs to make their expectations of a player clear. and They need to say, you know, here's what we'd like to see from you. Do you need any help in getting there? We can recommend some different things, and we're here to support you with whatever you need. But I also think, you know, players have agents, and it's their job to also make sure that players are doing the right things in the summers as well. I think that agents, good agents, will have a, a big say in all of that too in helping strategize off-seasons as well. Yeah, you, you might be surprised, Shogger, at how little the agents say when it comes to off-season training. Yeah, Just could uh, be. Conversations I've had, so we'll see. Um, Pittsburgh, Toronto. Who do you think has more success in their new role, Tree Living or Dubas? Tree Living. Ooh, no hesitation. No, zero he... hesitation. He's got a better team to work with. They're closer. They're in their window. Um, the Pittsburgh job's not a great job. Like, it's not. They're in no. a weird position. they got contracts with older players that are going to inhibit their ability to rebuild the way they might want to, the way it might make sense to. Um, I mean, any situation where you got Crosby and Malkin, it's, it's going to be good to a degree. But to me, the Toronto situation sets up far better for a guy to walk in and, you know, win a Stanley Cup next year. Uh, I, I, I think Tree Living is in much better position to have early success. So you, you got to balance that off against expectations, too. There's a ton of pressure on Tree Living. 
But really, um, he's he's heading into a much better scenario, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh God, yeah, I um, I could see Pittsburgh because I look at how little money they have really tied up in their top seven players. If Dubas can make some astute moves and, and fill out the bottom half of his roster, he could have some success. But if you look at, at his track record in Toronto, you would argue that was the one area that he didn't have success in. He wasn't great at filling out the rest of his roster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than going out of trade deadline and, you know, um, just making a pile of moves, trying trying to fix it sort of. You know, and he had a very aggressive trade deadline. Like, he showed himself to be pretty aggressive, and he wasn't afraid to make moves. Tree Living is known for that as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, you know, and Tree Living has the experience, too. Like, he's been he's been stung. Um, he's got some experience now where he's he's been through some things. I'll be honest with you. I was surprised Dubas was able to just land in a president of hockey operations type scenario. Aren't you? Oh yeah, but who owns the team? Not a. I think they're hoping this guy is a repeat of what happened for the Boston Red Sox. That's kind of what I yeah. say. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. it's right, but I'm just yeah. that's, that's the sense I get. <laughs> yeah, and hey, all the more power to him. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I think he, you know, I think he's smart to get right back in there. You don't want to sit around waiting. There's only so many of those jobs. If it's a fit, you take it. Well, especially it to, to be, yeah, to get the, the, to get that much power right away. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like he's early it's, in his career for that situation, right? Like a lot of times, the president of hockey operations, that guy yes. is like a pretty tenured guy who's, yep. you know, who's grizzled, spent lots of time in the GM chair, which I mean, Kyle has, relatively speaking, but not compared to, you know, he was one of the was he the youngest GM that, that had been hired. Um, if not, he was close to it, and he's got to be one of the youngest president of hockey operations guys that's, that's been hired in, the, in a role like that. Oh, yeah. No, no, he definitely um, – he's uh, he's on the younger end of it for sure. That, that doesn't mean that it, it, it's – Experience-wise, uh, too, he's on, on the, you know, the yeah. shorter end of it for that job. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, hey, it's not a, it's not a guaranteed success. So that's for sure. It's uh, you know good for him. Hey, get the opportunity. But I'm I'm very curious. It is one that's a, it's a difficult one to take. So I respect him because it's not like he said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take over the Colorado Avalanche, for instance, right? Like they're in a pretty good position. Um, he's yeah. he's going to a, a job where they're you know what? It's eventually they're going to have to rebuild. Uh, you know, I would think, and unless he thinks he can retool on the fly, that's which is hard to do in the NHL. Yeah, well, he'll be the interim GM, right? But are they trying to find someone is kind of the plan? Yeah, there's some names out there already. Um, you know, Cam Lawrence, The you know, there's been a few guys. Not like I don't think his GM is necessarily going to be a guy with a boatload of experience. I could be wrong. Um, I, I think he's going to align himself with somebody who views the game the same way as him, which, which makes sense if it's what everybody does. But I don't think that their GM has to be somebody who's held a GM job before. I, w- I would be surprised maybe. Uh, yeah, see, and I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, if you're the ownership in that group, you're like, uh, okay, so we're going to put a guy really young into the president of hockey operations role which basically insulates him from kind of frontline accountability because he's going to hire a GM. And if he's going to hire a GM that has even less experience than him, it's like, 
uh, you're handing the keys over to not a ton of experience here for a president of hockey. The whole idea of combining a president of hockey operations and a general manager is because, you know, the general manager job is a big lift and you sort of have the sage veteran guy there and it's a tandem deal and all that. But I just find it interesting. I, I, I would wonder if, you know, hiring a more experienced general manager might not have made sense, but... Um, yeah, I'm sure they figured that out. I'm sure when they interviewed him, they said, what's your vision for the GM job? And he would have spelled out, and he, they probably liked what they heard. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. But someone that's never done it before? Really? Well, Kyle's never been a president of hockey operations before. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. At a certain point, do you want to hand the keys to people that have maybe done the job before? It's a fair question. But someone would say, hey, eventually you got to get your first time as, as a coach or first time as a GM, and now in this case, first time as hockey ops. It'll be, it's going to be fascinating offseason in the NHL, and it's just begun, so I look forward to it. Uh, Shogger, have yourself a great day. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Sounds good, pal. See you. Ryan Shog from uh, TSN. Hey, guys, does uh, Holland have an internal successor after next year? I'm not so – I think the orders – I'm not sold that you just walk away from Ken Holland. If, now, if you want to say Ken Holland because president of hockey operations, you have a GM for a year, sure. I think it might be a tad too premature. Um, since Ken Holland's come in, the Edmonton Owners organization has improved significantly. That's a fact. He's made way more good moves than bad moves. Fact. The orders are a legit competitor. If if he wants to do you know a little bit less, sure. I wouldn't just say, oh, Ken's contract's done, he's out. Now, maybe he wants to leave. That's a different conversation, right? He said the other day he'd honor his contract, which he has one year left. I wouldn't be so quick as to just want to just toss him out. Oh, new guy comes in, he'll be way better. Mm, not sold on that. Quick break. We'll come back on Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260. You're listening to The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. It's after 5 o'clock, Empton Sports Leader TSN 1260, actually at 530. You make your way home. Be safe. Uh, got a lot of texts. I do like this one. I like the sense of humor of our listeners. Hey, boys, I think they're closing and wrapping up the hen day. I just drove four minutes without seeing any slowdown or construction signs. <laughs> Buck. I like it. I like it. Let's get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. They've expanded. They now have the uh, JPHL, an academy-style approach for you 14, 15, or U18 players with a focus on skill development and education. Learn more at JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Uh, talk a little golf once again as we are joined by uh, Bob Weeks from uh, Golf Talk Canada, also on uh, TSN. And, uh, Bob, the memorial uh tournament is going on uh, right now and uh, adam hadwin is uh, two strokes off the pace at three under uh riley's at five wallace is at four and then a boatload of guys at three and two under it's a very congested a tough day for some of the other canadians uh svenson and connor's plus five uh, pendrith also plus five mckenzie hughes plus three so uh, not ideal for them but i just want to get your thoughts on you know having this many canadians on the tour regularly and guys who from week to week can literally be in the running it's great i mean i've covered this game for a long time and this is really the first time in a long time when pretty much every week as you said there's one canadian in there or we have a bunch of the guys who are up there I mean, we had Corey connor's challenging for a major we had uh, some other players, you know, during the year, Mac Hughes won, Adam Svensson won, Corey Connors won. So 
it's really, um, I don't want to call it the golden age, but it's certainly certainly starting to be like that. And we've got more young players coming up. I was at a, an event uh, earlier this week where we have a lot of, number of top young players who are just getting out of college or just making their way into the pro ranks at early stages. So it's, uh, it's a great time for Canadian golf and a great time to be a Canadian golf fan. What's the reason why you think we have so many more Canadian golfers on the men and women's side? Well, I think you can trace it back a little bit to Mike Weir. Now, it's 20 years ago that Mike Weir won the Masters this year. And, and if you talk to Corey Connors and Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor and all those guys, you know, they said they were around. That's when they, when they watched Mike Weir win and they realized, you know what, maybe I can do this too. And they sort of put their nose to the grindstone, uh, a lot of help from, from different areas, uh, collegiate golf. Golf Canada started a program to, to kind of enhance and give these guys as much help as they can. That's grown exponentially now to the point where the United States Golf Association wants to copy our program. So that's pretty good. But really, you can, you know, it's, it's a lot of it has to do with going back to Mike Weir. And on the women's side, you know, we had, we had Laurie Kane and we had Gail Graham, but they weren't quite the dynamic golfer or the, the uh, amazing results kind of golfer that Mike Weir was in winning a major championship. I think what you're seeing now, and I've seen it at some of the, the amateur events that I go to, is a lot of very talented young women who are playing, who are following in the footsteps of Brooke Henderson, who is, uh, arguably the best Canadian golfer of all time. Certainly issues if you look at her record anyway. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's hard to argue that anybody's been a better golfer overall than than Brooke. And so you mentioned the young golfers coming up, and I want to get your thoughts on Corey Connor because Corey Connor, we've seen this like Sunday has been his nemesis on majors for, for whatever reason. And you talk to him way more than I do. What, what do you make of that? Is it just a mental thing? What has to change for him on Sundays? Yeah, I mean, now listen, I think the PGA Championship was the first time he had a legitimate shot to win a major. He was close in the Masters a few times, but he was always, you know, four or five back, and he would have needed like a miracle round, and he would have needed some help from some other guys. This this was a tournament, if he'd gone out and played really well as he had on Saturday, you know, he probably could have been the winner. I would have to take down Brooks Kepka, but, um, but I think, you know, you're in that situation and you get a little nervous. We saw the same situation last year at the President's Cup, where it affected his, his putting. And he was very tentative with the putter, which has never been his strong suit anyway, but it really kind of showed. And and so I think the only thing you can do is put yourself in those positions and try and learn from them, and hopefully hopefully you you know, you know improve or you get more comfortable at it. I remember the first time Mike Weir was in a position to win a major was the 1999 PGA Championship. He was playing on the final group last day with Tiger Woods, and he got eaten up. You know, he shot 80. So. Yeah. It's it's tough to put tough to be there if you haven't been there before and to know what you're going to experience. And some guys can do it right out of the gun. I think for a guy like Corey, I think he'll learn from that. He's an exceptionally smart individual. So I think the next time he gets himself in that position, he'll be better suited to try and take it on. You look at the uh, now. It's been a few years since the PJ Championship has moved into uh, to May. Do you like it? Do you not like it? What's your thoughts? I do like it. I think it's. I think the the, the year flows a little better now. You got the, the players in March, the Masters in April, and then the PGA, the U.S. Open, and, and the Open Championship. Everything's done, you know, before Labor Day. And and the PGA in August was always kind of like the afterthought. It was always oh that other major that that other one that that sort of wraps things up. But it never felt as big as the other three. I think it feels a little bit bigger now. And if you saw the crowds in Rochester a couple of weeks ago at Oak Hill for the PGA this year, you know, it was massive. Now, sure, the weather wasn't great because this 
this <laughs> site was awarded before they switched it. They were expecting to play in Rochester in August, not in in, uh, in early May. And it got a little cold and it got a little rainy. But but I think they'll get into it and they'll you know they'll play in some southern courses. They'll play maybe in Florida where they haven't been a major for a long time. They'll play in Arizona and things like that. So it opens up a few more locations for them. But I do think the year flows better. And now by next year, you'll, you know, we'll go back to a one calendar year that the PGA Tour will end before the NFL season starts. And that's basically what the PGA Tour's main objective is. Oh, okay. Uh, Bob Weeks uh, joins us. So looking at this weekend, Bob, uh, the Memorial, it's a really good tournament. Uh, you see Adam Hadwin, and the guys have been up and down. Now, I think that just shows how difficult it is from week to week on the PGA. The, the really elite guys can manage to be in contention, but even them, they're not in contention all the time. When you look at the games of Connor and Hadwin and Svensson and, and Hughes, how different are they? And do you know going into certain weekends – which guys might have a better chance based on the course they're playing? You know, I like to think I do, but I, I'm I'm almost like hopeless when it comes to predicting which guys are going to go well. I, I actually thought that Corey would have a good week at the PGA, which he did because he needed to hit fairways and he needed to hit greens, and that's kind of his strength. Adam Hadwin is not a long hitter, and Memorial, where they're playing at Muirfield Village, is a pretty long golf course. He's a great putter, so that's kind of what's holding him in. But these guys are good enough. They can play well on – on any course you know i i had a talk with mike weir at the masters this year he played a practice round with with three of the younger canadians and he said you know these guys are just they're ready they know how to do it they know everything that it takes and some weeks it just all kind of boils down that you, you play well i mean if you can putt well like adam hadwin can then as long as you're hitting greens you're going to have a good chance to win so it doesn't really matter if you're coming in with a four iron or a six iron if you hit that iron in somewhere on the green where you can putt it, then, then you got a chance. But generally speaking, there are, you know, horses for courses. And you look at the longer hitters, Taylor Pender, Mackenzie Hughes. You look at the good putters, it's, it's Adam Svensson and it's Adam Hadwin. And, if, and you look at the guys who are precision-like and it's Corey Connors. So they seem to fit into molds, but it, it doesn't always work out that way. Certainly not when I'm betting them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, definitely, definitely not. Once you once you put money down on anything, at least for me, Bob, it completely goes <laughs> yeah, out the exactly. window in, in a different way. So that's hence why I'm not a big uh, a big gambler by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there, there's still a lot of you know Shambly and Mickelson. They're going back and forth, and the live tour. Like, there's some drama. Is this good for golf? Because golf was always the gentleman sport, but now they're you know bickering and back and forth and. It seems to be in the news more. Is it good for golf ultimately, do you think? Well, I think it's good for golf in that the, if you're a golfer, you're getting a lot more money now, whether you're on Live or whether you're on the PGA Tour, because the purses have all gone way up. And yes. I think I think in certain cases it's good that we're talking about it. it you know, I mean, I've seen more stories on golf in the New York Times and, and Washington Post and big, you know, big media outlets now than I've seen ever before perhaps it's not just about kind of the monotony of week in week out and there's a lot of excitement and a lot of stuff it's not really focused on per se how the guys are playing like yes. like i don't know anybody who knows you know who's who's the top money winner on the live golf circuit i don't know anybody who knows that i don't know it and I'm, i cover the game for a living so but i think there's enough back and forth that it keeps it interesting if nothing else it's starting to calm down a little bit like you know if you saw brooks kepka winning the pga championship you know rory Gave him a big hug. Those, these guys, most for the most case, these guys are pretty good friends. They all live together in either Florida or Arizona, and they they play golf together when they're not on the PGA Tour or live golf. 
So that kind of stuff's wearing out a bit, but you're still seeing the loudmouths or the, the spokespeople, whatever you want to call them, the, <laughs> the Brandles and, and, the, and the Phil Nicholsons who still feel a need to kind of prove their point. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how long it's going to last if Liv has got a, a lengthy runway or not, but um, I suspect that things will calm down. The two will sort of live in, in partnership or maybe not partnership, but they won't get so mad at each other over the times, but there's still some court cases to come. So until that gets cleared up, I, I think it's still going to be a little bit a little bit tense when um, when some of the players get together anyway. Are they going to go to court, and like what's on the docket? So they have some court cases that will take a while to go. They're, they're before the courts right now. I think September is the earliest we're going to start, and it's basically antitrust. So the players who left live were saying, well, you've got a monotony on, on my, my job as a, as a player, and you, you can't. Um, tell me where I can and can't play. I should be able to play anywhere. I'm, a, I'm an independent contractor. And the PGA Tour has said, no, no, you signed on. You, you signed a deal with us. And, uh, you know, we have these regulations that you have to, to live with, and, and those make our business go. So there's a little bit of back and forth going on with that. There's a few other court cases. There's, uh, um, there's spinoffs of that, though. And it's going to, as I say, it's going to be a while before it all plays out. And I don't have a clue who's going to win. I've talked to enough lawyers over the last year, not so much lately, but last year for sure. And even they aren't quite certain. They said both cases, you know, both sides have pretty good cases. But I think as long as those things are sort of in front of the court, I don't think that these guys can be friends in any way unless they decide to throw them all out and, and find some kind of partnership agreement. I don't expect that to happen to you. No, not, not right now. Anyway, I mean, not, not with the two guys who are running it, like especially Greg Norman. You know, he's I've I've interviewed Greg Norman probably 25 times in my career, and I can't say that too many of them have been enjoyable times. So, um, you know, he's he's his own guy. I won't I won't certainly neglect his great golf career, but he's got some strong opinions, and uh, and uh, he's made some enemies along the way. But I, I don't think Jay Monahan is the, the has the clean bill like he used to have as well. So. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see where this plays out with those two uh, leading the two tours right now. Awesome stuff, Bob. I really appreciate your time. Have a great day. Okay, see you, Jason. Take care. That is Bob Weeks talking a little golf. I like it. Lots going on in uh, golf right now. It's interesting, and uh, you know the Canadian men and women. A lot of talent, and there's a lot of talent coming. It's awesome. Uh, let's take a little uh, trivia question now. Triple four. Actually, no, you can text us to 10-12-60. 10-12-60. Very easy for you. Well, maybe not that easy. But uh, we try to have the – some days it's easy, some days it's not. Today we'll make it uh, a little bit easier for you if you're, uh, if you're paying attention. The Stanley Cup playoffs finally resume on Saturday. The question I have for you, can you name the two NHL goalies who have multiple win, have double-digit wins this postseason? There's two goalies who have double-digit wins in the playoffs. Text both of them right now to 10-12-60. The two goalies, double-digit wins. 10-12-60, going to win a tee it up at uh, Eagle Rock. Go to eaglerockgolf.com is where you can book your tee time today. 50 bucks to tee it up uh, on weekdays. It's a great deal. And the great Smokey at Eagle Rock. 5-50. Welcome back. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Uh, NBA tonight, game one, Nuggets. And the Heat. Finally, we got some championships get going tonight. And then, of course, on uh, Saturday, Memorial Cup. 
Win and you stay in, lose and you go home tonight. Peterborough and the Cam Loops Blazers. Let's go Blazers! Because that guarantees you're going to have a Western team in the final. Because if the Blazers win, then they play Seattle tomorrow. Our uh, answer, Bobrovsky and Jake Ottinger. Couldn't make it too easy. It wasn't going to be Hill. Hill's only won seven games uh, in the playoffs so far. So, uh, Cons, who'd you get to? Who's the winner? Gregor is AJ. AJ, congratulations. He's going to tee it up at uh, Eagle Rock. Uh, quickly, we'll get to the uh, oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. Now, I took my vehicle and had to change some tires, so I got to drive the uh, the wagon. Oh, my goodness. It is unreal. I, I love my XC90, but that wagon, if you have – now, they're hard to get the cross-country. There's not many in stock. They get them, and they sell quick. I know why. If you're looking for an unbelievable vehicle – Go check out and test drive one right now at VolvoEdmonton.com. The uh, Edmonton orders, of course, uh, not a whole bunch uh, changing with the orders. They're uh, they're into uh, the month of June, and they've got some decisions. Uh, you know, draft picks, we all know they don't have many of them. But there was some uh, uh, relation news in regards to the business side of the uh, Oilers AHL team as uh, – Departing the team was team president Matt Riley has left the uh, Condors. Meanwhile, uh, Justin uh, Farsbender will become the uh, senior vice president of business operations. And Ryan Holt, who we have on the show all the time, he's going to take on the president of vice pres of marketing and communications while remaining as the uh, play-by-play guy. So uh, kudos to uh, Holtzy. Really good guy. We have him on the show. Always gives us uh, great updates on the uh, Condors. They've got a pretty good organization run down there. Almost separate, really, in essence. They let them just run it down there. You know, Keith Kretzky oversees everything that goes on with the Condors. And uh, they've, they've built, if you've never been to a game in Bakersfield, for every reason, if you're traveling down there, I recommend going, man. It's a great bar. Quite like it down there. So, a little uh, business news, uh, orders related, but really for their American League team. Enjoy the, uh, do we have the NBA game tonight, Cons? We do, yeah. We do, yes. So, hey, tune in right here. Nuggets and the Heat. Enjoy it. On behalf of Connor Halley, I'm Jason Greger. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. We'll get to pause on Friday. We've got a lot of great guests. So uh, thanks for tuning in today, and hopefully we have you again tomorrow. Let's get to the con man and a sports center update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Good night. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.